Today in the podcast, I have a very inspirational lady. She comes from Nigeria and is now living in Canada. Her name is Olu Noah, and she is a storyteller. She's a professional speaker. She's a serial entrepreneur. She has received congressional recognition because of her political career in the past. She is also a mentor, and she is an author of up to five books currently. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Sylvia. It's an honor to be on the podcast. I look forward to an amazing time with you. I was just looking here at my notes and I was going through it and I paused a moment thinking all that you've done. I mean, you've got recognition from the Congress. You're mentoring women. You have a very strong interest in women and particularly women entrepreneurs. And you use music as well very strongly. You compose music, you create poetry and you use all of that knowledge in what you do these days. So it's, a, it's yes, an exciting it story. So I, we have to start with this question. What is your earliest memory of music? Okay, my earliest memory, I would say, is with my father. He was a lover of music, different genres of music. We had in our home, you know, the, the big LP, you know, playing the record label, the, the small one and the big one. And my very first music that I remember was my boy lollipop boom, 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 boom. you are my sweetest candy you're my sugar dandy so these were the music that they listened to in the 60s of you know he was he was an international African student in the in the UK so most of the um you know uh, artists of that day he had a collection of them Nat King Cole um he, uh, I think it was small I can't remember who uh who sang My Boy Lollipop um several genres and then he moved to uh, music like Jimmy Cleef he introduced me to um different uh, uh, aspects of the reggae music. He was, uh, uh, he, he also was um, an R&B person. So he, it was a blend of um, Bonnie M. Um, I, I'm, I'm trying to remember the, 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 the old, you know, Beatles. So in the home during Christmas, he would, he would play Nat King Cole's Christmas um, you know, a uh, uh, record. He would play Jim Reeves. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. If heaven's not my home, then love, what will I do? So, you know, the angels calling me from heaven's open doors and I can feel at home in this world anymore. So these were the songs. These were the, the, the music of several different genres that I didn't know, you know, that there was a kind of a genre at that time. I just knew that during Christmas, there would be Nat King Cole, there would be Jim Reeves, there would be Bunny M, there would be Michael Jackson. Oh gosh, Michael Jackson. I remember, you know, um, the Jacksons, the Jackson brothers. So it was a world of music and we graduated to, you know, um, Bill, uh, what's his name now? Billy Ocean, um, name them. I went through the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, and even the 90s. But I, the, in the 90s, I was kind of now, I graduated you know, into my own kind of music. But it was from my dad's love of music and what he introduced us to. Would you have been singing 
like going around the house singing with all these songs as a child. Oh yeah, dancing we were, to the music and the rhythm. Oh 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 yes, because he he was a fun he was a fun guy. He was an engineer, but at the uh, on another side, you know, an, an excellent family man that modeled you know what a family should look like when he come came to leisure and spending time with family so he would play these records he would um he also would be humming and singing and then we'll be doing chores or we'll be eating or cooking and um, dad would be playing the music and you it know and then such at fun. times he would say okay who wants to dance it was oh, fun. it sounds it was such fun. fun. So yes. you mentioned there that you've now found your own genre after being exposed to a ton load of stuff. So what is mm -hmm. your genre of music now that you use? Okay, I, I would say that I started from, you know, the likes of the R&B. Um, when I went into my own, I loved reggae, you know. I, I, I remember um, really loving reggae, uh, Peter Tosh, um, Yellow Man, um, just name them. And then I moved to uh, the likes of Teddy Pendergrass. I'm a sob when it comes to R&B, when it comes to slow R&B. Um, I just love it, you know, because I'm a romantic. So I went into all of that. And then um, because of my Christian background, um, we had you know, uh, my dad Sundays was you're either dead. That's why you can't go to church. Because if you're still alive, you would go to church. Yeah, so that was so, so that was important. the rule in yeah. in my in my in my in my home. So um, going to church and being um, introduced to the gospel music. When he, when I say gospel music, it was just Sunday school. But we had fun. We were kids. So I saw myself graduating. Um, you know, to uh, uh, the gospel genre after some time. Um, and that would, I would say this would be in the late nineties, you know, mm -hmm. when I went back to, oh, being, so there's, you know, there's some wonderful gospel music out there. I mean, yes, you know, I remember yes. when I was growing up because I was brought up in a similar background where that sort of music would have been very strong every week of my life. And, um, there's some fabulous gospel music out there. So yes. inspirational so yes. inspiration exactly so, now so you fun. also said that you compose music and you're a spoken word poet now i said earlier that you create poetry you have composed uh music so where does this spoken word poet title come in and what is it okay so i would say that if you had asked me this question say a year ago i would have been blank because i hadn't been um, you know, uh, I would say I hadn't been introduced or I hadn't had an encounter, okay? I knew about spoken word, the, the likes of Maya Angelou, she's my all-time, you know, shero, like she says, you know, and other spoken word poets, but Maya Angelou, you know, stands in a class of her own. But myself as a spoken word poet, it came at a time in my life that I was going through a difficult time. Uh, I was going through um, a divorce. I was going through, um, you know, uh, a broken heart. I was going through a lot of things that I just couldn't understand why it was happening because this wasn't how I 
you know, kind of looked at what my life was going to be like, you know, kind of. And because of this, it, I don't know what happened. You know, it was a particular night. I just couldn't sleep, you know, and I had, you know, started listening to my to myself when I get you know, very um, uncomfortable, you know, things are not just aligning. I know that there's, I'm about to birth, I'm on the cusp of something. So immediately I was alert in my spirit person. And then I just started writing these poems about how I was feeling and what I was feeling. You know, the first was, you know, three days and three nights. Uh, that's the title of the first one. Then the cross. Then um, I went into Ode to My Children. You know, it was just, they were coming, you know, in quick succession. And I realized that over a period of three or two nights, I had a compilation of 10 poems. Wow. I couldn't imagine. Yeah. And then it stopped. The flow stopped. And then um, I think this was December 2020. Okay. And January 20, 2021. This was when the first set of, you know, spoken word. I never, I, I never went to any uh, school or scholar to say, teach me spoken word poetry. No, I just know that I can speak. I'm a public speaker, but to, to create poems was not my thing. So, and then in May, I realized again, you know, um, I had this, uh, I was very uncomfortable that night. I knew it was something else again. And another set of 10 or 15, just boom, I wrote them. And since then, I've had a collection of 25, you know, poems that full, full poems. So I would say that my, my journey into spoken word poetry uh, is just about getting to a year. It's just under a year. That's amazing. You know, yeah, yeah. That is amazing. Sometimes when you leave something old that isn't fitting your life and you move into something new, there's this release. That's what it sounds like, that there's something releasing coming out of you. Now, you said to me before the interview that you also compose music and you integrate the music or infuse the music with the poetry, or should I say the poetry is infused with music, which would be a better description. Yes. So where do you do it within your work? Now, you work with a lot of women and you're you know, your heart is really with women and what they can do in business in society and all of that. So where do you use all of this expertise? Yes, I, I would say all of my expertise, when I look at what, what is, what embodies me, who I am, it's, um, it's a combination of, you know, the experiences that I, I have had on my journey. Um, why am I passionate about women? One, because I didn't have a mentor. Um, my older sister left home to England when I was 10. And because of that, I didn't have an older sibling that was close to me that I lived with that could pattern, you know, several that I could ask questions like dating or, you know, how do you, um, you know, what do you do when it comes to financial empowerment, independence and all of that. Uh, my mom was a typical stay-at-home mom. She wasn't very educated, and um, she didn't she didn't have what I was looking for. I didn't yeah, know what I was looking for. And my father, she just didn't know. It wasn't like she had it, mm -hmm. and she didn't give it. 
you know. She so know. what she had was just take, she didn't know. She just took care of the kids and, you know, make sure we had good education, which was what my dad, you know, wanted us to have. And we had good education. So growing up, I grew up without that sense of direction of, you know, what is financial independence? How do you, you know, get money? How are you, you know, uh, spending money, saving money, respecting money, making good job, making good decisions with money, dating, um, giving yourself value and all of that. And that took me into marriage. And then I had three kids and I went into a job that was just very toxic and I had to get out to take care of my kids and at the same time, you know, do something for myself. And that was how I came into, I just knew I had to do, I had to just have my own business, but there was no guidance. My dad wasn't in that space. Definitely my mom was not in that space. I, this was in the nineties. This was late 1990. This was 1999. So I kind of, um, uh, uh, just went into this space, this, this, uh, ex this next stage of my life, you know, blindly, I didn't know what I was doing. Of course, there were several mistakes. There were things that I didn't know, no business plan, no this and that. And I journeyed on and I had kids to raise them properly, to ensure that they had good education and also to be true to your, to yourself, you know, I, I realized that I, I had a pull from, you know, the relationship that I was in with my ex in that he didn't understand who I was, what I wanted, what I needed. Um, I didn't get that support, but that didn't, um, that didn't deter me because, you know, I, I would always go for what I want. So eventually, of course, you know, uh, something had to give, the marriage had to give because, you know, I, I, this was me. I, I was, I wanted to express myself as an entrepreneur, as a creative, but he wanted someone, you know, who was just a stay at home, just take care of the kids, just do what I want you to do. Just don't rock the boat. And of course, coming out of that kind of situation, I understand too well, you know, the struggles that women, you know, go through in, in being their authentic that's, self. That's a key um, word, isn't it? Authentic self. I'm just reading your yeah. mission statement here yeah. on your bio on LinkedIn. And there's just three interesting sentences that you say. This is quote, my mission is to mentor entrepreneurs, use multimedia to create inspirational stories and events that demystify failure and rejection and empower entrepreneurs to reach for their dreams, to become global business leaders and social impact change agents. That's a big statement. Yes. That's a very, very big statement. It is. It, but I yes, commend you yes. first. Because I. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It's it's as um, that statement was born out of, you know, what, like I said, what I went through to let people understand that failure isn't um, is not a destination. It's just part of. The success yes, very story, true. Very because true. all all through what I went through, I begin to see the patterns. If I didn't do this, this wasn't. Let me give you a case in point. 
when I, um, the congressional uh, um, recognition by uh, Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee of the state of Texas, you know, that she gave me when I wrote my political memoir, you know, this was in 2015. Now, when I went into politics, I'm what you call an accidental politician. Um, and that's a, that's a fun thing that I say to people because it came at a time that I was documenting the, the history of my state. Okay. Just a I was side documenting... note there, that's one of your books documenting your state. That's, that's the, your actually first the book? first, yeah, mm -hmm. that was my first book. Exactly. And this book was born out of the ignorance that my children exhibited when I asked them, where are you from? And they mentioned one random place. Said, no, you're not from there. You know, this and that. <laughs> so um, I told them where they were from, but there was no resource material. There was nothing that they could they could read to to give them that identity that, that my dad that gave very me, much is a, you know? is a thought of mine that identity is critical to a person's belonging and success if it's you lose your identity yeah. you are kind of going around the world where are you, my you you yeah yes. where am i who yeah. am i you know so because because of the fact that i was able to understand who i was my dad you know made sure he took us to our hometown i was i was in tune with who i was so i wanted to give my kids that so let me quickly just you know so so when i realized that i, I then i looked for materials i looked for books there was nothing i said oh my god if my kids do not have an identity of themselves of who they are, who are they going to be when they grow up? What are they going to be when they grow up? You know, it's going to be a life of, you know, misery. So I am back on that particular project to document the state government didn't ask me to do it. The federal government, nobody asked me to do it. My dad called me and said, look, this thing you're doing, you know, is it really necessary? It's going to take money. It's going to take your time. Nobody's going to pay you. I said, no, dad, it's not about money it's about a legacy it's about leaving a legacy for my kids to for them to know where they're from if they have that identity so so that was how i began that journey in 20, 2003 and then my state government held a summit an economic summit and i was in i mean everybody was invited i was there so i i kind of said my own thing i said there's a there are gaps in the tourism sector there are gaps in the sector in the state because i have been here and that because i actually physically went to document so i could i was talking from a, knowledge, a knowledgeable perspective you know, standpoint perspective and then the gov the governor and then the government said okay so you're telling us this why don't you come in that's i'm just kind of summarizing how i came into government and the government gave me an opportunity to, to be part of the board of tourism to 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 um you know set the policies the tourism policies the whole tourism um dynamics of the state government now this was where you know i had some kind of disagreement with my ex and he he didn't want me to go into politics politics why who but who? olu the, the thing that i'm seeing here <laughs> is that firstly you've taken the risk if you will to do this book and suddenly the world is starting to open i up took to the you. risk because you're, it, you're it coming from your heart space you're not coming from your head it was coming from my heart it was yes it was coming from my heart and then the doors began to open 
you know, I, I began to see the doors opening, you know, the government calling me to come to be the board of tourism. When I came back to, I, I went to Sweden that year in 20, 2004. This was a summit in 2003, October, January, I came back from Sweden. As I was landing, I got a message of being called, uh, you know, sworn in, in the government. I said, this is a scam. I don't know anybody in the government, you know, and that was how I was, you know, called into the government. And for four years, I served That's my amazing state, story, you An know, amazing story. And, 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 and during that time was when I finished the book project and I presented it to the governor and I said, I have done this book on behalf of the government, on behalf of the state, you know, I want you to write the forward. I want you to make it a book of reading. I want you to, you know, endorse it and all of that, blah, 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 blah. And I, when I had this conversation with the governor, that there at that meeting was someone who was running for, say, a mayor of my local government. And he told the governor behind me, this was a um, conversation I was later, and he said, I want that woman on my team, my you know. And that was how I was invited a second time to come into the local government. And this was the game changer for me because I was given the portfolio of um, primary health care, communicating government development policies and government programs to, to, to the rural, um, to, you know, the local government, the rural area. And that was my first time of coming in contact with women in the rural areas where there was nothing that a little bitty, um, drug that the, 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 you know could 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 determine their life not having a small paracetamol or something could just take their lives and there was high infant mortality high maternal i My saw goodness. all of this and i said to myself um i, I was never i did i, I mean I was not, not the same after that encounter, seeing how women died unnecessarily, you know, trying to give hope to them. So this birthed my, my mission to help women who were underrepresented, underserved, marginalized, um, because if they're given opportunities, they would do better. Oh, completely. And I mean, I was just telling you there before the interview, and I'll just explain it to the listeners now. I mean, a similar situation has happened in Afghanistan where women have, firstly, they were released when America went into the country and gave them freedom for education. Mm. The whole country became colorful, full of music, events, creativity, education. And now it's back down into the gray zone again. So it must be horrendous for some of those women with such intelligence and drive that they can't, they're not allowed to express that because of this type of reason. Yeah. But to move on. So you've written a total of five books. That's an amazing story, Olu. You've written five books. You've written you. a book about leadership, um, a political memoir yeah. of, I presume, which you've just outlined in brief and a biography of mm -hmm. a philanthropist. Why a biography of a philanthropist why did you that come into your thinking yeah <laughs> thank you um that that came at a time that i was documenting my political memoir i wanted to document what i went through um in being able to assert myself to be able to help women and help um you know my community my local government my state and because um, I had a, a father who educated me and told me stories about my ancestral 
lineage and how we came to be, um, you know, who we are and who he is and his journey and where he is. So I looked at the, the aspect of legacy, of document, documenting legacy. Um, I didn't have that privilege of documenting my father's legacy because he died um, oh. suddenly, you know, in okay. 2005, you know, and um, I realized that, you know, he wanted to, he was trying to communicate something to me, but, you know, when you're close to someone, you, t you take that relationship, you just say, oh, dad, I'll, I'll write about it, you know, that passes. kind of a thing. And then a second, yeah. and then he passes. My mom just calls me oh. and says, your dad is sick, you know, and within five yeah. days he was yeah. gone, you know, so, and then I had a second encounter with a very good mentor of mine. Uh, he's very elderly, and he's a he's an he's what I call a walking encyclopedia. He's a cultural ambassador, and he would say to me, and I would tell him, I would say, "Look, Ambassador Olushola, I'm coming to write your story," and he would tell me, "Olu, I'm here. You know, I'm always here." So the day I got, and I started procrastinating because you know, doing this and that, kids and all of that. I got the phone call and someone said, oh, I'm sorry, you know, Ambassador oh. Shola passed away. I said, you know, so made the, a second, you know, so I told myself, you know, this isn't, um, this is a calling. This is something that so I really need to get into, you know, um, take to get in, get into because, you know, so I started with my mind documenting my political memoir. And then I was contacted by someone who knew my um, flair for writing because I had done something for him. Um, in fact, I would say seven books, but the other two books were just like, you know, um, his mom died. So I did a book on his mother, which was something totally different. People don't do that when their parents or whoever dies. It's a compilation. It was totally different. And then when he turned 60, I did another book because he, he's an architect. So I did something for him in architecture. So he was, he was just you know, he was taken, he was blown away. And he said, look, I, I have a client for you who is a philanthropist. He's done so much. He's very, um, he's known in, the, in Nigeria's history, this and that, and one thing led to the other. And, um, you know, and that was how I got to write in his biography. And this had become, you know, um, a mission of mine, you know, to document not only uh, personal um, stories as biographies, but corporate. Yeah, know, but um, isn't there so much though of, that you can learn from another person's life who have had the fortune of being able to give to others and see the effects that it has had? And it could be just making sure a family has enough of food. It's enough to get them secure within themselves that they're okay with food. We can move on with the rest of our life. It's like in recent episodes yes. here in the podcast, we've spoken about homelessness and the recovery that takes to get off the street, to come off the street, make the decision mm -hmm. even to come off the street in, in many cases. And then mm. you find out that people have to be in a recovery process to leave it behind them mentally. But more than that, yes. then they need yes. a roof over their head and they need food in their bellies before they can move on with what they would like their life to be. And I mean, I often mm -hmm. think that even the smallest hand out if it's only just food or if it's a bursary for education or something can be so hugely valuable to those who would dream of having such. Mm. So philanthropy is really important. It is. And the other it aspect is, is documentation. Um, I mean, I don't think enough of people take that seriously enough. Um, 
I see I see it here in my own culture with documenting Irish music, um, how that so many people are aware now that they're trying to catch uh, the end of the last generation that was pre-internet. That is now very much we're in the Internet zone, if you will, and there's this new genre coming through that they're trying to really fast and move quickly to document that which is now passing. And, you know, there's a fallout mm -hmm. because they're rushing to try and get it and, and they're missing out in some cases. There's so much of it to be documented. It's a really, really important there task. Is. Very, very important task. Mm. Absolutely. You mentioned something, you know, the Irish, you know, um, when you when you hear all over the world people drink yeah. Guinness and um yeah. I never tasted it myself, believe Guinness. it or not. Never tasted it. I never I never tasted it. I never tasted it. But you know, to know that the story of Guinness starts from an individual that's who right. had a vision and we're that's still it. talking about it in twenty twenty one. Yeah, it is the amazing. millions that's invested you know? in marketing the product and it's sold oh. all over the world. It's like it's sold yeah, all over the yeah. world so so documenting understanding um you know the the story this history makes you to value it more makes you to appreciate yeah it's like it it's like when you and, go back into the the whole musical discussion um when you look back to maybe mm -hmm. the gospel music and you understand why a hymn was written and then you sing the hymn yeah. and there's this like new realization mm -hmm. oh wow I think mm -hmm. when we were chatting before yeah. this interview a while back, you told me about a hymn that you sang that a husband and yes. a, had written after his wife and only child had yes. perished. What hymn was mm -hmm. that? Mm -hmm. it, it, that? That's um, When Peace Like a River, It oh Is Well goodness, With My Soul. Um, I, I, love, I love hymnals because they transport you to yes, another realm of yes of being of of being closer to you know to the heavenly you know uh yes. sphere you know when when you look at the hymnals and i began to take um i realized that i that hymns take take me to another realm and then i i started thinking where do these hymns come from so I started digging into the history of hymns because when I read the 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 the, the lyrics, the, the wordings, these are like people saying there's a message. And one of them, like you rightly said, when peace like a river, this was um, an entrepreneur who um you know he he moved his family from i think uh, I, I can't remember whether it was chicago um in this was 17 something and he put his wife and uh no no his his son died initially first so he had a bad break from business his business oh, failed okay okay he lost his business that was bad enough then he lost his son his only son so they were trying to come out of that that place of loss, that place of you know um, failure, deep failure. Back, and in then back in the seventy, I just want to say this: just that mm -hmm. back in the seventeen hundreds, if a man mm -hmm. wasn't viewed as successful in business, it was a it, it was, huge it was, yeah. social degradation. More exactly. than now, more exactly. than now, more than now. So, mm -hmm. so he said. You know, he decided at that time to send his daughters and his wife to England to say, you know, like, you know, leaving the environment, maybe starting all over again. So on the on the journey, 
the the sheep capsized and he lost all his daughters all his daughters he lost them this is a this is a story like job in the bible where he lost his business he lost his children and then it was just his wife and then his wife got to England and sent him a telegram saying all lost but me you know just her alone and um, he had to make a passage you know to take can you imagine that journey taking that journey to meet his wife I mean how long would he have been how long would he have been in the ocean you know traveling from the Americas over to England that time it would have been it would have weeks. been months, uh, weeks, been, because weeks, yeah, weeks, say maybe six, eight weeks, because there are not the kind of cruise liners That's that it. we have, yeah. you know. So and when he when the, the, he got to the place where the the, the, the ship um, got wrecked, you know, where his daughters perished, that was when he got the inspiration that is to tell you, it just reminded me about the times that I that, that I started composing, you know, creating my spoken word poetry, you know, and he got that inspiration when peace like a river attended my way when songs like sea billows roll, whatever my Lord thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Can you imagine? I'm getting Can emotional. Just, yes. I'm just getting emotional now listening to that. It's exactly. Just, <laughs> it's in a, it's so that it's that was that was um, the the beginning of you know he never knew that writing that um, um, him song, would have such a legendary yeah. mm-hmm. effect, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that it would mm-hmm. hang on to our day, which is like two hundred exactly. years plus. Exactly. Two hundred years exactly. plus. Exactly. So, I mean, I know from my own history with all that kind of music that those hymns, they definitely hold you together when you're going through tough circumstances. And I'm not mm-hmm. coming at it from a religious perspective. I'm coming mm-hmm. at it from a spiritual point of view of where they really, really hold you together. Yeah. You know, they yeah. have that capacity yeah. within them. I, I was but, kind of just looking for just to put in perspective is Horatio Spafford in 1876. There you are. Yeah. 1870. It was written in, sorry, in 1873. Yeah. Yeah. 1873.
amazing. Well, amazing. Olu, if I, I wish I had more time, I really do. I but today I am tied with time and I could speak. Oh, I could talk to you forever about hymns. <laughs> I really could. You're such Same an inspirational here. lady. Thank but you. I'd love to have you back at the podcast at a later date. And we might dig into this whole idea of hymns. Where do they come from? What are their stories about? And we might wonderful. do it. We might do it around Christmas time as well. I think oh, that, that would be, be wonderful. I think that would be the best Christmas episode. Yes, yes, Wouldn't that be yes. wonderful? It would be. <laughs> it would be excellent. So, Olu, yes. thank you so much for your time today. And we will definitely organize something to get you back for Christmas. Thank you. I'd love All right. to. And I look forward to that. Thank Pleasure you meeting you today. Same here. Take care now. Have a great week ahead. My son.